wonderful to be here tonight, and I've always been sobered at the thought of preaching on the subject matter of hell. It is a message that's not preached too often in our generation and many churches. The few times that I have heard it in recent years has been strictly here and confined to the southeastern part of the United States. I remember when I was a young preacher boy, there used to be uh, preachers and camp meetings and revival meetings and church meetings where hell would be preached on, and it was a regular topic. As I go back and look at some of my study Bibles from my young preacher boy days, um, there is a lot of wear and tear in my Bible and two passages of scriptures. Uh, one of them is on Lazarus, and um, as he is there in the scripture, and we look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, and then also Zacchaeus, we climbed the sycamore tree. Yes. When I was a young preacher, I preached on Zacchaeus so much. Uh, Peggy, before she actually became my wife, as we were in meetings together, uh, I remember after a few months, she's uh, going home one night, and she said, you know, there's more Bible in the Bible than Zacchaeus climbing a sycamore tree and getting converted. And so I got the point. But also, uh, with all of that, there's a lot of wear and tear in my first preacher boy's Bible in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. And I'm not going to go there tonight, but I simply say this. I'm thankful for a ministry and for a church and for a body of believers that still believes there is a literal hell. And I want to confess to you tonight, I believe there is a literal heaven. And I believe that where the saints of God is going to go and those that have been converted. And I believe those that die without Jesus Christ will spend an eternity in a crisis hell. And there they will suffer pain and agony. And there they will be cast out forever and ever. They'll be suffering. And the Bible said they'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Tonight, if you have your Bible, go with me to the uh, Scriptures and the New Testament. We will go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. I slipped out for just a moment tonight to look at my uh, Scriptures and my text. And you pray for us tonight. And if there's one here that's not saved, it is our prayer that God would stir your heart, that you'd realize your need for Christ, and that this would be the night of your salvation. The greatest decision we'll ever make in this life is to trust Christ as our personal Savior. And if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, but you're not involved in reaching the lost, shame on us. For some have not the knowledge of God. And it is my prayer tonight, if you're a Christian, that God will use the message to stir your heart. And even as we preached last night, that the Lord will stir you to go witness to your loved ones, your neighbors, your friends, and extended family, and tell them about the Lord. If you have your Bible, I think all the pages are turned now. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Bible tonight, if you would, please. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 11. And you came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. Go with me, if you would, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, and let's look at one passage of Scripture in this text. It'll be found in verse number 22. Deuteronomy, chapter 32, and verse number 22. For fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with their increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Let's pray. 
Our fathers, we bow before you this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to be in church. And again, we thank you and we bless your holy name for all that you've done here in our church and in our midst. We thank you for the souls that have been saved, the young men that's called into the ministry, the lives that have been challenged and those that have been rededicated and those that have been refired to do greater things for God. We thank you for our pastor and I pray your continued blessings upon him. Tonight, if there's one here that's lost that knows not Christ as their Savior, may the Holy Spirit of God convict them. They may have their name on the church roll, but they know their name's not in heaven's roll. And so I'd pray tonight the Holy Spirit of God would convict them, show them their need for salvation. Lord, help them to overcome the anguish and the anxiety and the concern, the pride concerning their membership or their professed Christianity. And Lord, if that they would come tonight to the realization that they need Christ. And I'd ask you, Lord, that you'll be with those that may be in our midst tonight, that they're not saved. Their name's not on a church roll. They know their name's not in heaven's roll. And our Father, they just know that if they died, hell is their eternal destination. I'd ask you, Lord, that you may speak to them. And Father, tonight I pray that you'll give us power, give us liberty, give us the anointing and the touch of God upon the message Bless your people tonight, and we thank you for our church. Bless our people, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As we examine the two texts of scriptures tonight in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4 and also Deuteronomy chapter 32, my heart is drawn to a study that I had done several years ago when we were in Portland, Oregon. Uh, That's been probably upwards of 18 years ago. I came across a book by National Geographics. It was on the subject matter of natural disasters. They had one dealing with thunderstorms, another one dealing with floods, another one that dealt with earthquakes and the devastation of them. There was others that um, earthquakes, and another one on the subject matter of volcanoes. As I began to read those books, learning about natural disasters, I began to question in my own mind and in my own heart whether God had anything to say concerning the subject matter of volcanoes in hell. I've heard many messages on the subject matter over the years of earthquakes and the devastation of them. The Bible has much to say concerning them. In fact, in the latter days, it will become a sign of the end times where there shall be earthquakes and divers places and wars and rumors of wars. And we know the scripture and the text tonight. And as I began to study uh, this subject matter in the Bible, I came to the conclusion through all of my reading of natural disasters and studying the scripture and uh, repeatedly um, those that are involved in studying natural disasters, they are in uh, agreement that one of the most devastating natural disasters known to mankind is a volcanic eruption. And I began to wonder why a volcanic eruption was so devastating. And I believe tonight that after we study the Bible, uh, hopefully it will open our eyes and our hearts of understanding. Maybe our intellect will be awakened tonight to the reality and the connection between hell and volcanoes in the Scripture. On May the 18th of 1980, there was an eruption in the western half of the United States of America. It happened at 8.32 a.m. in the morning on May the 18th of 1980. 
The blast was heard several hundred miles away. The blast literally uh, killed 57 people and would have killed hundreds had they not evacuated the area as soon as they anticipated a blast. It destroyed over 250 homes. It destroyed over 47 bridges. It devastated over 15 miles of railway. 185 miles of roadway was totally obliterated. The eruption caused a massive landslide, which literally came down and forced all the waters out of one lake up the side of an adjacent mountain. And when the waters come rushing back down, it literally geographically relocated the lake and raised its, uh, its depth uh, over 600 feet. There was an area that is called dead zones. The blast happened at over 300 miles an hour. And when the blast and the winds would go through those ravines and travel, they would merge in certain areas and they would classify them as dead zones. And those dead zones, it is estimated that winds reached the speeds of over 600 miles per hour. Over 4 billion linear board feet of timber was destroyed. Trees over 18 and 20 feet thick were destroyed instantly in the blasts. There was enough timber destroyed to build over 300,000 homes. There was over 230 square miles of earth that was devastated or obliterated as a result of the, of the blast. The blast was over 1,000 times the strength of the atomic bomb dropped at the end of World War II on Japan to end the Second World War. And it did all of this in less than 25 seconds. And I'm speaking of nothing other than the blast of Mount St. Helens on that dreaded morning at 8.32 a.m. in the morning on May the 18th of 1980. Many do not realize it, but there is what's known in the Pacific Ocean as the Ring of Fire. It stretches throughout the western half of the United States of America, starting in California, making its way up through Oregon, up through the state of Washington, up through Canada, and around and through Japan and other Asian nations. And it is called the Ring of Fire because the mountain ranges in that area are nothing more than volcanoes. Underneath the oceans in the Pacific are massive volcanoes. In fact, recently I was on the western part of the United States. I preached in Portland, Oregon, and Mount St. Helen was somewhat active even during that time. Volcanoes are devastating. They are destructive. The earth has five layers that make up the planet. There is what's known as the crust. It is the portion in which you and I live on. We build our superhighways, we build our skyscrapers, we build our roads and we build our homes and our businesses and our churches and that is the known as the crust. But just below the earth's crust is what's known as the upper mantle. And the upper mantle according to scientists reaches temperatures of over 1500 to upwards of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Just below the upper mantle, there is what's known as the lower mantle. It is the a third layer of the earth. Scientists tell us that those temperatures reach upwards of 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Just beneath that, that is what's known as the outer uh, core, molten core. And scientists tell us that the outer uh, molten core of the earth, the fourth layer of the earth, reaches temperatures of over 7,000 degrees Fahrenheit. In the solid iron core, they estimate that temperatures range well over 7,500 degrees and some estimate it to be even upwards of 10,000 degrees in the heart of this planet Earth. You see, volcanoes are formed when the molten lava from the heart of the Earth and the molten rock pushes its way up through the layers of the Earth and makes its way to the crust and begins to lift of the outer crust of the earth's layer. When that happens, a mountain is formed, and inside that mountain is volcanic activity. And I want to look tonight at our scriptures, and I would like to take a brief Bible study tonight and see what God has to say concerning the heart of the earth. Have you ever considered this tonight? I ask and propose this question tonight. Have you ever considered where hell is located? Some believe that is in outer space and maybe on other planets. But may I say to you that God does not leave us in the dark concerning the subject matter. God's holy word tells us and teaches us exactly where hell is located in the scriptures. Tonight, I would like to look at only a few passages of Scripture and see what God has to say. After all, a scientist can tell us about the earth's layers and the temperatures in the various uh, layers in the upper mantle, the lower mantle, the outer molten core, and the solid iron core. But the truth of the matter is, uh, God's Word proves science. Science does not prove the Bible. The Bible proves science. Before man ever found the currents of the sea and the oceans for the trade routes, God said in the Bible and teaches us there were trade routes. Before Job or before man ever figured out the, the celestials and the skies and astronomy, God speaks of Orion in the book of Job and other places of the scripture. So science does not prove the Bible. The Bible proves science. So let's see what the Bible has to say tonight. Turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah and chapter number 14. In Isaiah chapter number 14, let's see what Isaiah had to say concerning the location of hell. The Bible has much to say concerning the subject matter. In fact, it is said that Jesus preached two times or spoke two times more on the subject matter of hell than he did on the subject matter of heaven. Notice in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and down in verse 9. Isaiah said, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. 
It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. Notice what, that, what Isaiah said concerning hell. And notice he said, hell from beneath. Isaiah was standing on the planet earth. He was standing in the Middle East and when he was inspired of the Holy Spirit of God to pen Isaiah chapter 14 and verse number 9, he said hell from beneath. And so he attributes hell as been from down below him. Notice if you would please in verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregations, a congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Notice what Isaiah says. God said concerning the fall of Satan, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And so we find two times in our passage tonight that Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 14 standing on the planet earth says hell is beneath and then he talked about when God cast Satan out of heaven because of his high wills. And I'll not take the time tonight, but God counters Satan's high wills with five of his own high wills. Notice if you would with me tonight in the book of Isaiah and chapter 5. In the book of Isaiah and chapter 5, notice uh, with me if you would please. In verse number 14, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoices shall, and watch this, descend into it. And so here, in a third scripture, Isaiah says that hell is beneath him. Those who descend go down into hell. Notice, if you would please, in verse number 15. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. And so here Isaiah says that the mean man or the man who rejects God, the man who dishonors God, the man who denies God shall be brought down and descend into the very bowels of hell. Then notice, if you would, not only do we have the testimony of Isaiah, go with me to the book of Proverbs, and let's see what the wisest man ever have put his feet on the planet earth had to say concerning uh, this subject matter tonight. And so in the book of Isaiah, or excuse me, in the book of Proverbs, notice, if you would please, in chapter number 15 and verse number 24. Solomon said, the way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart, now watch this, from hell beneath. 
And so now we have the prophet Isaiah telling us that hell is beneath us. Now Solomon, the wisest man to ever live on God's earth, has accredited hell from as being beneath where he stood. You say, preacher, I'm still not convinced. I didn't think you would be, so go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 31. In the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 31, notice what God has to say concerning uh, the subject matter of hell. As we begin to examine uh, this passage of Scripture, I would like to bring just a couple of things to our attention tonight. Notice with me, if you would please, in verse number 14, to the end that none of all the trees by the waters exalt themselves for their height, neither shoot up their top among the thick boughs, neither their trees stand up in their height, all that drink water, for they are all delivered unto death. And watch this next phrase, to the nether parts of the earth. In the midst of the children of men, with them that go down into the pit. Notice the phrase, nether parts. The phrase, nether parts, in this passage of Scripture, literally refers to the womb of the earth. Or as you and I would know in our generation in modern English, it refers to the heart or the center of the earth. And here uh, we find that uh, the Scripture very uh, clearly tells us, Ezekiel said, for the nether parts of the heart of the womb of the earth in the midst of the children of men with them that go down to the pit. Notice in verse number 16. I made the nations to shake at the sound of this fall when I cast them down to hell with them that descend into the pit. Notice the correlation now in verse number 16 with verse number 14. He said, I cast him down to hell. And where is hell? It is down from where Ezekiel stood on the planet earth beneath his feet. But then he said he cast him down to hell within that, and watch this phrase, descend into the pit. You say, we're preacher... Verse number 14 didn't prove that the pit was hell, but no, verse number 16 makes it crystal clear. They were cast down to hell with them that descend into the pit and all the trees of Eden and the choice and the best of Lebanon and all that drink water shall be covered in the nether parts of the earth. And so someone says, Brother Ellis, will they ever find the fountain of youth? Will they ever find the garden of Eden? Have you ever looked at Iraq and where they estimate the Garden of Eden was at? It's all desolate and barren and there's nothing there. You know why? All the trees of Eden was sent to hell with the mean men. They're looking for a plush place where oh, a living water flows, the fountain of youth that you can drink and live forever on this earth. My friend, this evening, may I say to you, a man or a woman that have to be awful foolish to want to live on this planet earth for eternity. 
especially when God's provided heaven for all eternity for his children. But notice with me, if you would, please, in verse number 17, they also went down into hell with him, are them that be slain with the sword. To whom, in verse number 18, art thou thus like in glory and in greatness among the trees of Eden? Yet shalt thou be brought down with the trees of Eden into the nether parts of the earth. Thou shalt be in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that be slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his multitude, saith the Lord. Pharaoh, the Bible tells us in the book of Ezekiel chapter 31, it just confirms what we as believers already know. And that is that Pharaoh died and went to hell. He rejected God. He rejected God's people. He rejected Moses, the man of God. And he rejected them to the point that God said he died and went to hell in the book of Ezekiel chapter 31. You say, preacher, I'm still not convinced. Let's go to the book of Numbers, if you would, please. The book of Numbers in chapter number 16. Notice, if you would, please, in the book of Numbers in uh, chapter number 16. And we'll begin reading in verse number 30. But if the Lord make a new thing, this is when Kor and their followers uh, stood against Moses The Bible said, but if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have revoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, this is Moses speaking, that the ground clave asunder that was under them. This is Korah. And his followers. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. Someone says, well, preacher, that's no big deal. That's just an earthquake. And they fell through the crevice and the opening of the earth. But, oh, my friend, there's more to this text than that. The Bible says in verse number 32, And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. And their houses and all the men that appertained unto Kor and all their goods, they and all that appertained to them, watch this, went down alive into the pit. And the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. Imagine being swept out into hell in a moment's notice. We think about the wildfires that uh, passed through California and the Napa Valley in that area, and I mentioned it somewhat last night, and some of those areas where the fires devastated and, and killed several people have knocked on doors with a pastor in that region. And horrible testimonies are uh, coming out of fe- people that were burned alive in the middle of the night. May I say to you, there's a more a terrible uh, incident with fire and burning than to be burned alive on this planet Earth. Within the last year, I forget if it was Mississippi or in Alabama, some vile, corrupt men 
poured gasoline down a young teenager's throat and set her on fire and burned her alive from the inside out. My friend, more horrible and more terrible than that incident is this incident in the Bible because that death was temporary. It only lasted until life was snuffed out. But for the child of God, they're escorted into the presence of Almighty God. But here, the core and the followers are swept into hell forever and ever and ever. The Bible tells us to read the remaining of verse number 33 and then all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. But watch verse number 34. And all Israel that were round about them, watch this, fled at the cry of them for they said lest the earth swallow us up also. And so here we have the children of Israel getting a glimpse of hell. You know what will get us out knocking on doors and telling our loved ones about Jesus Christ? Getting a glimpse of hell and the eternal damnation and torment of those who die without Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Verse number 35, and there came out fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. So here we find that the heart of the earth is associated with terminology such as the pit, hell, and fire. You say, preacher, where is hell? Well, according to the Word of God and a few passages of Scripture, and there are many more that we could have examined, but according to the Bible, I submit to you on the authority of God's eternal Word that hell is just beneath us in the heart of the planet Earth. And those who die without Christ will go down into the pit, down into hell, sinking ever so low, down into the fires of hell where they'll spend suffering in pain and agony forever and ever and ever. And you who said in the sound of my voice, you used to have loved ones that you would weep on the altar over, you used to bow beside your bed, beside your living room couch and bow your heart and your soul to God and bear the burden of their soul before Him and beg the God of heaven to convert their soul and you've lost your burden. If God would somehow just allow the gates of hell to be roll back for a split second. It would change our lives forever. The Bible declares that hell is a place of torment. Luke 16, 19 through 31. I'll not take the time to turn to the scriptures tonight. you find the rich man died and went to hell. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he rejected God. Amen. He had riches and wealth in this life. 
Nothing wrong with having riches and wealth. But when the riches and wealth cause our hearts to be lifted up against God and reject Him, our souls are condemned to hell forever. How hardly shall those have that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man or a wealthy man to enter into the kingdom of God. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I want to make a statement here tonight, and I hope you don't take me as a smart aleck. Hear me out before you reach a conclusion. If you're here tonight and you have rejected Christ, you're one of the biggest thieves I've ever met or preached to. You say, preacher, how do you say that? Because if you reject Jesus Christ, you condemn your soul to hell forever, and you've robbed from your soul eternal life in heaven. You're a thief and a robber of your own soul. It is a place of torment. The Bible says in Mark's gospel, that is a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And the disciples and those that he addressed knew exactly what Jesus was referring to. For in the scriptures, the valley of Hinnom became a, a garbage heap. It was a place where all the trash would be dumped and the dead carcasses would be cast into the valley of Hinnom. And they set it on fire and it was a perpetual burning both day and night. The carcasses that were cast into the rim of the valley of Hinnom were eaten by maggots and worms continuously. And when Jesus said, it's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, they knew exactly what he was referencing. The Bible in the book of Psalms speaks of fire and brimstone. There's another eruption that transpired. It's Mount Paley. And Mount Paley... It was one of the most devastating eruptions in volcanic history. It gave many warnings before the eruption. There was sulfuric gas that would sweep down through the city. Ash from the vent would settle in to the point that testimony records that horses and buggies and the uh, wheels running through the city the ash was so deep that it muffled the sound of the hoofprints of the horses and the rumbling of the wagon wheels. At night, the sky was glowing red. I remember back in 1985, Peggy and I took our first international trip and we went into uh, Costa Rica. And right outside of our hotel in the night skies, the whole sky was a glowing red. Right behind us, there was an active volcano. I was young and didn't know anything about volcanic activity as I do today. And so the next day, we hiked up to the volcano, hiked up to the mouth. And you could go down just a little ways, maybe 
30 feet or so, and there's a large, massive boulder on the side of the mouth of that volcano. Being young and dumb, I slipped down with my new 35-millimeter cameras back when I owned my own business, and I just bought the camera for the trip. And I sat down on that rock on the ledge and scooted out and inched my way out and to the end of it. And I held my 35 millimeter camera down looking at that lava a few hundred feet below me and snapped multiple pictures and eased back out and came out of the mouth of that volcano to find Peggy hyperventilated and almost passed out. If I'd have known what I know now that that was how the pits and the bowels of hell, you couldn't have gotten anywhere close to that volcanic activity. And there, Mount Paley was erupting and the churches were literally full to capacity and running over. The liberal churches, the conservative churches, the, the moderate churches were filled to capacity with people coming and getting right with God. I say to you, when you get close to hell, it'll stir your heart and show you your need to get right with God. One lady wrote, our, wrote her children and said, I feel as though, her name was Miss Prentice, and she said, I feel as though I'm standing on the very brink of hell. They literally were making a tourist attraction out of it. They would take tours up to one of the vents, charging money. On the morning of the eruption, a young lady followed behind a tour guide and several people, and she was a a few hundred yards behind. And as they came near to the vent, all of a sudden the mountain began to rumble and the vent began to give way. She said, I saw as it looked like fire came out of the mountains and looked up those tourists and the tour guide and took them right into the very pits of hell. She turned running down the mountainside, running through the little city there. And as she ran through the city, she said, It's erupting! It's erupting! It's erupting! Run for your lives! She ran past her home, got to the edge of the ocean, got in her brother's little boat and as she got in the boat, she turned and she said, I could see people running for their lives and I could see my brother running through the streets and the, uh, the lava was coming down the side of the mountain and said, at first it touched his feet and then his knees and then it swallowed him up into the very flames of hell. The pyroplastic flows and the winds had pushed her into a, a little cavern on the side of the ocean. And there was only two people that survived in the city of that eruption. It was that little girl and another man that was in a dungeon. He was a prisoner. They had a vent tube that was stuck way out into the earth's atmosphere to get him ventilation and they would drop his food down a certain area. And the superheated ash, not the lava, but the superheated ash that went down that vent burned over 90% of the man's body. 
He literally traveled the rest of his life on public display with a Barnum and Bailey circus for people to see how mangled his body was. It was election time. They had set up a barricade and blockade. It wouldn't allow anyone to leave the city. Much like of our day and generation and era, there were corrupt politicians. Boats were anchored. They wouldn't allow anyone to leave port and they set up a blockade around those that were docked offshore. Written testimony. There was one particular ship when that superheated ash set on that boat it immediately burst into flames. Bodies began to literally have the flesh melt off of their bones and drip like wax. One boat, a shipmate said that he tried to find his captain and couldn't find him until he heard a moan and a groan. And he looked over and there was a clump of a, a man, just flesh that was melted, but still alive. And they asked him to set up a, a bucket brigade and the man gave testimony that the flesh had literally dripped like wax off of their hands and they would take buckets in the crook of their arm and they'd reach down and get the water and they would try to extinguish the fires. You hear me tonight? Hell is real and hell is awful and hell is a place where those who die without Christ will spend an eternity. Give the testimony of one man that they found. He was gasping for air. Preacher, can I use this water? And he talked about how they were choking and how the man was still alive. And yet uh, he talked about the fact that they rolled him over and they took a water and they put it in. And they said that they started with just rubbing a little water on his lips. And then they took and uh, just put one drop of water And they were swollen so bad in their throats that it began to choke them. And they put just a little bit of water in there and they had to roll them over. Didn't a rich man in Luke 16, 19 through 31 said, said uh, Lazarus said he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame? And yet here's a man who's dying and he's parched and yet one drop of water chokes him and he cannot breathe and swallow. Hell tonight, the Bible says, is moved to meet thee at thy coming. Why is a volcanic eruption so powerful and so devastating? I'll tell you why tonight. Because its power and its devastation comes from the very bowels or the very pit of the earth, hell itself. Amen. Hell hath enlarged herself and is coming forth to meet thee at thy coming. The Bible said it is a bottomless pit. And if those in hell and as the earth rotates as they drop and the earth rotates, they are constantly falling and it is a bottomless pit. And then the multitudes who die without Christ die and go to hell without God. 
and the pressures of hell release themselves. And I'm persuaded that's the devastating force of a volcanic eruption. Some years ago, on our birthday, we were at Greater Portland Baptist Church in Portland, Oregon. And Pastor Adams and Mrs. Ellis had scheduled for us to go to an area that's called the Ape Caves. And the Ape Caves are nothing more than volcanic uh, tubes from years of eruption from yesteryears. When the volcanic ash comes through in the lava, Sometimes it cools on the inside and it'll leave big massive tunnels underneath the earth. I remember we got there to go through those lava tunnels known as the Ape Cave and we took our flashlights. We didn't know any better. We climbed, I'm guessing, estimating 15 feet, maybe more, down an iron rod and our ladder down into the heart of the tunnel. We all got down and we started through with our lights and we didn't get very far because the lava literally absorbed the light. You couldn't see but only just a very, very short distance in front of you. We had to climb back out and go get uh, rent lanterns that they rented. As we went through those lava tunnels, we were climbing up walls 10, 12 feet high. We were going through areas that you could barely squeeze through. And all of a sudden, as we walked through those tunnels, I had been studying on this subject matter. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. If that lava come out of the pits of hell, I wonder if it hadn't swept past the body of a loved one or a relative in hell that had died and went to hell without God. I stopped dead in my tracks as Pastor Adams and Mrs. Ellis and the others went on. My heart was arrested by the Holy Ghost of God. I wonder tonight, we use lava in our gardens for landscaping, barbecue grills, and many other things. But I wonder if the next time you touch that lava, you see it, if you just wouldn't be reminded that came from the heart of the earth where the souls and the bodies of the damned are confined to hell. I remember many years ago, and if we get ready at the instruments, we'll get into our invitation. I remember many years ago, Dr. Ed Blue, the founder of the Rock of Ages, preaching a message and gave an illustration of a truck driver who went off an embankment and the truck had landed upside down and the driver was pinned in. Anyone who knows much about diesel fuel knows that diesel fuel doesn't catch fire very easy and it burns slower than gasoline. Brother Blue gave the testimony how that when that trucker went off and They went down trying to get him out and they couldn't get him out and all of a sudden someone says, I smell smoke, I see fire. And all of a sudden uh, the diesel fuel had filled up the cab of that truck and the diesel fuel began to catch fire and that man was saying, get me out of here, get me out of here. 
flames. And after a while, the man's body was engulfed in flames. And you could see him reach up and pull and scalp and hair out. And, and he was hollering, get me out of here. Somebody shoot me. Somebody kill me. I don't want to burn. My friend, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, someday you'll burn, but you cannot stand before God and say, God, you never told me. I wonder how many sitting under the sound of my voice tonight, you're a Christian, you're a believer, but you haven't told them. You quit praying for them. You left your burdens on the altar and now they're dry and your soul is dry and your burden's gone. Someday, someday, the stark reality of hell will set in. But will it be too late? Our fathers, we bow before you. Lord, you know our needs tonight and you know our heart. And I pray, our Father, you'll take these simple thoughts from thy word. God, may you stir our hearts as believers. Help us to understand the reality of hell, the urgency of the hour. There's one here tonight, and they know they're lost. Help them tonight, I pray, to be willing to forsake their religion, forsake their thoughts, their ways, and come humbly tonight at the foot of the cross and call out upon God for salvation. There's one here tonight that used to pray, used to have a burden used to beg you to save their loved ones that are lost and going to hell. But they've long since lost that burden. Help them tonight, I pray, that that burden to be renewed. God, give us a glimpse of hell tonight. Burden us. Stir us. Change us, I pray. You need to come tonight, you come. Are you concerned about your family and friends and loved ones and others? If you're here tonight and you realize you need to be saved, you personally need Christ as your Savior, why not come tonight and be saved? Why not come tonight and take pastor by the hand and say, Preacher, I need to pray tonight. I need to get right with the Lord. 